Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your hosts, Dr. Doug Carriger and Mrs. Stephanie Wesco. Great to be back with you, folks. Thanks for signing on, coming across your airwaves, coming across your radios, whatever the case may be. It's a great honor. Uh, today, we continue on with the series from messages around the country and PTSD conferences. Today, we're bringing a message out of John chapter 2, talking about marriage. Make sure you tune in on that. You don't want to miss that. I think you'll have a good time. And uh, here we go right now. It says in chapter 2, if you want to stand with me for those first couple verses, we'll We'll go ahead and pray after that. And in um, the third day was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Let's do one more verse there, number three. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto them, they have no wine. Dear God, we love you. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would remind us of this miracle of Cana of Galilee. You would. Uh, you would help us, Lord, to serve you in a better way because we've been in your word tonight because you're God and we're supposed to bring honor and glory to you. And, uh, Lord, as the special saint tonight, you're sufficient. We need you. Uh, the music, uh, Lord, we th we're thankful that we don't have to fear you even in our roughest times. Uh, we're thankful for the old rugged cross. We're just thankful, Lord, for everything you've done for us. And, uh, God, that you've touched us. And we come to you tonight and we do ask that you would uh, touch those who are medically hurting tonight. Touch those who are dealing with loss. Touch those who are just going through different things. Take from us those things that are prideful, hurtful, and are getting away from learning from your word. Give us those things that are godly. Build us up. We love you, Lord, and we need you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for standing. Please be seated. In the third day, there was a marriage in the Cana of Galilee. And, you know, they always did things by days in the week. So if, if you follow what's going on here, and, and you come to this miracle in the book of John, we know this begins Christ's full ministry or his full-time ministry. So, so Christ was 100% man, and he was 100% God. And he came to earth, and nobody else can pull that off. You know, he could have at any time taken out anybody he wanted to. He could have, he could have knocked out the Pharisees. He could have knocked out all those different people and stuff. Uh, but God choose, chose to come so he knows everything we go through and uh so we can sing to him well, lord we need you and uh we can go to him and let him know that and we can say in our hardest times and our, our toughest times that uh that we have a god that looks out for us and cares for us we pass from death unto life i'm always amazed by that i read that again the other day in my bible reading that we pass from death unto life it's good to know that every day of our life we're a day closer which is a hard thing to put up with. We're a day closer to heaven, which is the greatest thing to know. And so it's good to know those things that, that we pass from death on to life because there's so many in this world that can't see the other side. There's so many in this world that don't know what's happening on the other side. There's so many in this world that, that 
you know, with, that's why we do what we do. That's why we're reaching out to people with PTSD. That's why those of us who suffer from PTSD can, can do well, get better, help each other, uh, and, and go through things. Is because we have this great God who's looking out for us and caring for us and, and those types of things. And so I think it's really, um, really a wonderful thing to know that we had this God who came to earth and was 100% man and knew what pain was, knew what it was to be hungry, knew what it was to be thirsty, knew what it was to not be the richest person and not have money to pay taxes, how to work for that, go fishing and stuff like that. I think it's good to know that, you know, I'm not the only one who grew up kind of broke, you know, and uh, and I think it's good to know that he could have come and been the richest person on earth. He could have come with all the fanfare, and that's what the Jews wanted, Right. So the Jews to this day are waiting for some God to come and just explode into a kingdom. You know, and I, again, I've been watching this Queen Elizabeth thing, and I'm sure she was a wonderful lady. But if you draw comparisons to her funeral and everything going on right now and what happened to our Savior, I mean, his funeral and the way he went, have you done that? Isn't that pretty tough? You know, to know that Queen Elizabeth is going to stay in state for six days or something like that and all these different things and and. and over a hundred countries have sent gold gifts and different things like that. America's committee voted to send a gift worth a million dollars. So everybody commemorating their life and to think that Christ died on Golgotha, just wrapped in a simple cloth and 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 just just died there and uh, and everything he went through. So it's great to see this Lord and Savior at the beginning of his ministry. We think he was 30 years old. We believe the timeline pairs out that he was almost 33. So, uh, you know, as they put together different learning programs, so a seminary is three years long because Christ was on earth for years. So years ago, you know, hundreds of years ago, they said, well, we got to study God's life. And if he lived it for three years, we've got to live it for three years. And uh, which is impossible to do. We can't, we can never know what he went through. And uh, I was thinking about our marriage. <laughs> and, uh, so I always tell the story of Debbie and I get married and I'm, I'm glad she made it back over to see this. I was hoping she'd get some rest. But so the day that Debbie and I got married was October 8th, 1983. Now it was a beautiful day, man. It was, uh, uh, the sun was out. It was a beautiful day. And I woke up that morning and I was a member of the local volunteer fire department, which is one of those unheralded jobs. Uh, and, and you just do whatever you're told and stuff, but you like doing it. You want to serve your country and your community. And I had just went through a firefighter one course a few weekends up in Willamette, Connecticut, to learn what chemicals to use, what water. To, you know, I just really wanted to learn everything I can, how to use the scuba gear and different things like that going on. I was just home. Every time the fire alarm, I had a plextron, which you would know as a beeper, but it, it wasn't. I wore a beeper for work, and I wore a plextron for the fire department. And the plextron was like, ah, 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 and it would speak out loud. I remember one time I was at a funeral, and it was, ah. You know, uh, uh, Code 53, Baltic, Connecticut, all respond. And you're like, oh, man. You know, and the priest is up there. <laughs> He's singing in Latin and stuff. Like, ah, ah. It was probably the most live thing that happened at the funeral that day. You're trying to cover that. You couldn't shut it off, you know. And you plugged it into the, well, anyway. So I woke up the morning of my wedding, and, and we were all ready to get married. And, and it was a small wedding. It was uh, back before we got saved. And. And Debbie and I had been, we knew each other for a while, and we had really officially started going out with each other and had a long engagement, I guess, eight or nine months long was our engagement. And uh, 
<clears throat> we went to get married that day, and there was a fire, and I knew I had plenty of time because we were getting married at like 1 o'clock or something, you know, and it was, I don't know, like 9.30, 10 o'clock, my plextron goes off. And I said, I need to serve my community. There may be somebody out there dying, you know, and I'm going to come home. I can do it all. I can fit the wedding in, serve my community, you know, have everything go all right. Everything's going to be fine. Nothing can go wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? So I immediately ran out to my car. And, and, and to be honest with you, it was always really cool to put the blue lights and the siren on. You know, and I had this four-speed car back in the day. Like, oh, 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 you know, with the sirens on. My, my neighbors thought I was crazy. Having the lights on, people would get on them. I'd go right down the middle of the road like I was a cop or something, slide around corners. And that day, the first time in that whole time we lived there, that I got to drive the fire truck. And I was so happy. You know, this, this rush of excitement came over me that's hard to explain. You know, because usually there was this big, huge, old, fat guy who lived up the road from me. And he always beat me. He had an extra mile to drive. And he would always beat me and drive the first fire truck. And I had bitter bitterness against him. I'm just being honest with you. That's one of the things I had to repent of once I got saved. And I think he slept with his fire gear on because he would show up with his boots up. And they had special boots made for him. Because the poor boy's belly was out here somewhere. So he had special boots with his tire, and he had these straps going around. Hold if you can picture it, it was an ugly sight, right? But he, he was a good man. And he would, when he would run with the hose, he would be like, <laughs> and I'd say, dude, all right. I mean, I was just this, this young buck, you know? And I'd say, hey, are you all right? And he'd go, <laughs> you know? And I mean, the poor guy couldn't breathe at all. Anyway, this day, I went right up the road, right up the middle of the road, past this guy, flew around into the fire station, yanked the brake on, and got inside and got the door up and started the fire truck. He came walking in. You could tell he was kind of miserable, and he hopped up in there next to me. And we had to wait for one more person to roll, so we rolled the fire truck out, and other people started firing up. And this one guy, and it was in October. It wasn't a bad day. This guy hopped on the back of the truck, and, uh, and we took off and went to the fire. It was a dump fire. Now, there wasn't a lot of life and limb going on at that, but we didn't know that, you know? We responded to the dump. There could have been somebody under all that stuff, like a kid playing or something like that. And we got there, and it was just a dump fire. Somebody had flipped a cigarette butt or something. Everything was on fire, and it stunk. But they, and we had this, we, had, we were right there on the Baltic River. Came off the Quinnebog, and it was a little thing, Baltic River. And we had a five-inch hose that we could draft right into the river. And, and man, I mean, I was, I was putting out that fire and I had these big, huge rainbows and, and uh, we had a couple other trucks come and pumpers and man, we had the speaker set up on top of the fire truck facing in all directions and stuff like that. And it, it was just a beautiful morning out there. And the time just escaped me because we were pumping right out of the river. So we weren't running out of water, you know? And I mean, it was just so much fun and we're putting out the dump fire and it smelled like, have you ever had a dog that smelled worse than anything you ever had in your life? That's what it smelled like out there. And so the speakers are going once in a while, you'd hear a fire in an adjacent neighborhood. You know, it's like knowledge, uh, area 53, area 23, you know, and they'd be done things. So we just heard that. And then out of nowhere, the strangest thing came over the microphone, came over that sound system. And it said, uh, Chief Baltic 13, Chief Baltic 13. And he goes, Yeah. He said, You got a guy out there who's supposed to be getting married at one o'clock, I swear to you. <laughs> As God is my witness that I stand in front of you almost 39 years later, everything inside me stopped for like two seconds. You know? And I handed the hose 
to that big guy who was, <laughs> I handed him the hose. He was standing next to me. And I'm like, dude, that's me. And he, that's what he did. He had a real high-pitched girl type of voice. And he went, <laughs> and he was just, and he was laughing, and it was the highest pitch. It was like a girl. I looked at him because I thought it was a sixth grade girl or something. But anyway, the chief said, Doug, are you supposed to be getting married? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, Doug, this is no way to start a marriage. I said, I know. <laughs> I said, and I was kind of crying and kind of laughing. I just didn't know what to do. And I said, I really don't. He said, just get in my truck. I got in his truck and he said, son, I've been married for 26 years. And she doesn't like me just being normal. <laughs> I have no idea what your life's going to be like. <laughs> and, he's, and he's driving that truck. He said, about 21 years, she just started hating me. And he said, you might have advanced that. Is what he said to me. He said, you, you might have brought that on a little bit sooner. And I'm like, and he, he wasn't making me feel very good. And I just let him beat on me a little bit. And he was a prior service Navy guy, as a lot of people were in Connecticut. He drove me, dropped me off at my car. So in, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, so we hired a preacher that day. So I, I called up, I took care of all that. And I called the justice of the peace guy. And I said, would you marry my wife and I? And, uh, and he's like, yeah, I can do one of three ceremonies. And I said, what are they? He said, the first ceremony I can do is just, will you, will you, yes, yes, it's all over, 25 bucks. But he says, I'm a Mormon, so if you want a Mormon service, he said, I'll do that for 25 or maybe 30, and I'll do a whole half an hour service. Or he says, I even got a Christian service I can do. But that's 50 bucks because I have to do a little bit of studying. And I said, you know, God's worth an extra 25 bucks. So I said, you know what? Do the Christian service because, you know, we were getting married by ourselves. I mean, it was just a lot going on. And, you know, our parents, we should have had them. We went and had dinner with them and stuff afterwards. You know, we were just different back then. So anyway, our best man and Debbie's maid of man, man of honor, came out. Yeah, it was a man. Anyway, our best friends were men. I mean, I'm sorry. We've always had weird things like that in our life. It's just, it's kind of hard to explain. I, I mean, you know. People say, who's your maid of honor? It was a guy with a beard and stuff. I mean, but anyway, they, no, the beard guy was the best man. It was Butchie. Now, Butchie was, so I got to tell you the other side of the Butchie story from last night, just so you think, and Debbie will tell you, Butchie hit on her all the time. But anyway, when I, when I had those, Butchie had issues. He'd get me in fist fights. He'd say, Debbie, are you sick of them yet? I'm here for you. So yeah, anyway, he was, he was the maid of honor. But Butchie, Butchie, his name was Matt, and I had two friends named Matt. And my OCD and ADHD and DUMB would not take that name. So I named him Butch, which turned into Butchie. And then it became Butchie Butchie Tadpole, and I'm not sure why. So he was he was Butchie Butchie Tadpole, but he didn't, he he asked in all formal settings that we call him Butchie. And so when I told you I was interviewing those three girls to be, you know, possibly the next Mrs. Carragher, the only Mrs. Carragher, uh, Butchie, when it broke down to two of them, Butchie went out and told them. One of you can make a choice right now for me. He said, I'm here for you. And anyway, so that's the kind of guy, just so you know how, how great these guys were. So Butchie was the maid of honor. And he was the greatest guy you ever met in your life. But he used to hit on Debbie all the time. He used to tell me that guy's looking at He got me in a fist fight. Debbie's telling me to stop. So I'm going to move along. Anyway, he never really hit. He just joked. Oh, okay. So there you go. So anyway, you got to understand Butchie. So Butchie was just a different guy. And my other guy, was, my best man was a guy named Pat Menerfield. And he was a nuclear submarine guy. 
And anyway, we're all just best friends. He used to, he always had a 69 Chevrolet of some sort torn apart in his driveway and another one that he was driving. All he drove was 69 Chevrolets. And uh, he, he had issues. He used to, the only thing he would listen to in his car was Kansas. So the rock and roll. But anyway, these were our people back then. And uh, so we, we show up. And so I'm thinking about this all the way that Justice of Peace, it's two o'clock, 2.05. You know, I was only off maybe an hour, hour and five minutes, you know. And so, I, and I mean, I, and the chief tells me, he says, put on your blue lights and use your siren, which again, every time I did that, it made me feel something. So I, so I put on my blue lights at Cyrene. I drove home and I, I slid into the, the spot. And I come walking in and Butchie's just, he's was he was a beautiful man. You know, he's just like, <laughs> and Pat's like, just go shower, brother. And the, and the preacher, my buddy, Pat Benefield, he's still my friend on, on Facebook, Butchie. Butchie has passed away, but I'll never forget the look on these guys' face. Butchie just laughing, and Debbie didn't say anything to me. You know, I did, well, she told me, yeah, she pointed toward the bathroom, and, and Pat said, just go. And, they, you know, I was digging through looking for my favorite undergarments and stuff for that special occasion, you know, and I ran into the bathroom. And uh, so Debbie, see, and that's why Debbie's here. They fell in. It was, those were hard times, all right? Anyway, ah. Uh, I got there and, uh, and, and I, so, so it gets worse. So I, I showered as quick, as quick as I could. And, you know, I combed my hair as quick as I could and I came out to get married. And Pat is arguing with the Mormon slash Christian slash government representative who was the justice of the peace. Pat's like, shut up, my buddy's getting married and you're doing the ceremony. He's paying, I already, I think I already paid him half. And so I went out there, and the guy said, hey, we got to go. We got to go. We got to go. I got a family. And Pat's like, he was serving his country and his community. I mean, Pat was one of those guys who would have fought with him. Pat was about this big, real skinny. He's like that Japanese guy in my neighborhood, you know. He would have fought with the guy. We had, we had strange friends. But anyway, he married us. So I went, and I stood next to Debbie there, and we had a little altar in our living room. And, uh, and so I went up. It wasn't really an altar. It was just up against the wall. And so we went up and stood next to the guy, and I'm like, it's all right now, you know, I'm here. Everything's going to be all right. I forgot what I said. She's like, hmm. And the guy said, we are gathered here today, and Butchie's still going. He was still, every time I, I couldn't even look at Butchie, because if I looked at Butchie, there was going to be problems, you know, because if, if I glance over at Debbie and I'd see Butchie as her maid of, as her man of honor, he would point and he would laugh. He thought, he thought that, and, and then Butchie, you know, everybody hugs us out, and Debbie did kiss me, she did say yes, we did get married, and we got all done, and Butchie hugged me, and she was saying goodbye, he said, he, he said, 10 bucks, it won't last a year, is what Butchie said to me, patted me on the back a few times, and he, he bailed out of the house, right? he said, I'm not even sure if it'll make it through the month, you know, or, or something like that, but anyway, they were good people, but that, that was our, that was our wedding, and everything was all right. Went out to eat with Debbie's parents, went and saw my parents, but, and thank God we got through that. We went out to eat with your parents at Charlie Brown's in New London. That was the next day. See, my memories are fleeting. All right, go talk to Debbie. But anyway, by 3 o'clock, we're all married. Running about an hour and a half late. Everything was all right. I was showered. 3.15, yeah. 4.50, it was a long time, all right? 
the years have, have passed us by. And, uh, you know, and Pat Benefield sang a Kansas song to me. <laughs> and so it was all right. And so Debbie, I don't even know. I don't remember much. I know we were wearing our jeans. And Debbie was smoking hot as a bride. I mean, she looked really good. And uh, I told her that. Didn't, didn't give a damn glare. But anyway. And uh, anyway, we got married. So that's our wedding story. But what we were missing in that story was, you know, the Bible does tell us in 1 Corinthians 7, get married is a good thing. And to have a wife is a good thing. And it's been that way in our life. It has been. And we've, we've, we've been everywhere. I tried to count this afternoon how many countries we've been in. I'm not sure. I think Debbie and I have been to every country in Europe, and some in Asia, and, and a bunch of states. And, uh, and God's been good to us. We weren't going to have children. We, we were told we could not have children, and God gave us two. And, um, and like just when I was eight years, first one came. Eleven years, the second one came. We raised them. They were all over the country. And I took Debbie everywhere. Everybody else would leave their wife home to go to training or something like that. I always just said, no, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I think my wife just goes with me. That's why I travel with her. Uh, we travel. If I go to a men's meeting, once in a while I'll go to a church right up the road by myself or a men's meeting to give Debbie a chance to sit at home. But, I mean, if I'm staying overnight somewhere, Debbie's with me. And uh, uh, just because she's my wife and I want to be with her, and plus it does give you that. No one can ever say, well, you know, Doug went somewhere by himself. They, they can never say that because we decided that we weren't going to do that in our lives. Uh, and if I do travel without Debbie, I'm very careful. One time I traveled to Indiana with Stephen Ashmore. Remember when I looked at that building? It was hard traveling with Stephen Ashmore. That guy sings in the morning in the bathroom. He's in there. I love you, Lord. And I'm like, Stephen, shut up, man. I, just because you get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and sing songs. I mean, Debbie doesn't do that, you know. And, 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 and Debbie doesn't try to have a farting contest with you in the hallway. Anyway, but anyway, that's not recently anyway, but anyhow, we are. Debbie's never done that. But anyway, so I'm amazed. That Christ comes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Debbie's a much sweeter person to travel with. And uh, in the third day, Heidi, you got to stop laughing or I'm going to laugh, man. I can't. You know, you're right in my, I can, I can put these people out of my eyes over here. But you're right in the middle of the room. So you got to, you got to, you got to just straighten up a little bit. And so Jesus comes along and he shows up and it's the end of his non, they call it lordship ministry. He's still God. He's still got everything going. You know, he could do anything he wanted, but he's working as a carpenter. He's working with his stepfather. He's working with other people. He's going to the temple and stuff. You know, Jesus never slacked off. He went to the temple. He did all those things. And uh, they forgot him one time. They left. The, you ever leave a kid anywhere? Yeah, we did that. That's how, I did that, not Debbie. Debbie's pointing at me saying, you did it. So I went to pick up Doug and Daniel one day. You know, they, after school, Debbie was working with me. And I was coming home a little bit early. It was snowing like crazy up there at Fort Drum. And I said, in Watertown. So I swung by the people's house. And they were good babysitters. They were Pentecostal. But they never talked to our kids into speaking in tongue or anything. But anyway, I went by. I picked, uh, Daniel never came home and said, But anyway, they went to a Christian school right there. And these people took care of them. The Christian school said, we know some good people. Uh, but anyway, um, 
I picked up Doug and Daniel, and I'm, start, I'm talking to Doug. I'm driving down the road in Watertown, New York. And I'm like, so Daniel, how did your day go? And Doug says, Daniel's not here. I said, what do you mean Daniel's not here? And, and you know, Daniel's five years old and Doug's eight. You know? And I'm like, you know, that's not a good testimony there. And I said, where's Daniel? He's, he's back at the house. He didn't get in. I said, Doug, we're two miles down. <laughs> I had this big old grand voyage or anything. I mean, I'm flipping around in the middle of the road and speeding back and Daniel's out the road pointing at me. He was real upset. Anyway, they left Jesus one day, so I didn't feel as bad. And I, to this day, every once in a while, Daniel will remind me that I forgot him. But it wasn't long. It was only like five minutes. I'm like, Daniel, five minutes. Five-year-old, five minutes is nothing. There's kids in Vietnam that were in prisoner of war camps for 30 years. Let it go. Uh, but they, Jesus, as he was growing up and living his life, right? So he's, I mean, he gets left somewhere at the temple and stuff. Can you imagine getting home and like, where's Jesus? You know, if we forget any kid at all, we can't forget God. Man, let's, let's leave another kid. We can't forget God. Can you imagine that conversation out there, Joseph? Like, man, God entrusted me. What are you doing, man? One of these days I'm going to die. And I was entrusted with God, man. And we left. Can you, you know, they didn't, they couldn't do a three-point turn in the middle of the road in the Plymouth. Uh, <clears throat> I don't even know how that conversation occurred. But in the third day, there was a marriage at the Canaan Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. So our marriage uh, didn't have the mother of Jesus. And in verse 2, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. Our marriage, we didn't know Christ. We thought we thought we knew something. And honestly, uh, and I will say this to Debbie's uh, honor and stuff, Debbie was a good Catholic lady. Uh, she knew all the stuff. I, I had forgot a lot of stuff and didn't know that. And we were religious people, and there was a lot of people that we help are religious. And But we, ne- we didn't invite Jesus to our wedding. And so I want to talk about three groups. And, and you need to, you got to give this couple this couple invited Christ, and Christ wasn't a good guy to invite back then. I mean, we're inviting Christ as disciples. People like him, they're coming. We don't care what people say. We don't care how people feel. He's coming to our wedding. And so, you know, with Christ comes the disciples, comes Mary. We're not sure if, the, if these people knew Mary. We're not sure. You know, Christ was walking, had, his, had gathered his disciples. And, and so they're all out there. These servants are out there, which we believe are his disciples. And, and you try to read this miracle in, in different texts and stuff and get a grip on it. Uh, but in 1993, I got saved. And so for at least, as I told you last night, at least for my part of the marriage, I just decided I was going to try to be as good of a person as I could be. We had our son, and I was going to learn everything I could. And we never missed Bible study. We never missed any of those things. And uh, it was in July, Debbie's dad passed away. So I got saved on October 15th, 1993. And Debbie got saved in July, and, uh, and and we just decided that God was always going to be in our marriage. We were going to make our passion about each other. We were going to have great friends, great relationship, great family. We weren't going to hate each other. We weren't going to hate other people. And uh, we were going to always go to church, and, and, and God has been good to us to allow us to do that. Uh, even before Debbie got saved, she came to church with me. And, uh, uh, and I'll give her credit for that, because a lot of people who aren't saved won't go to church. And, 
and she started coming to church with me pretty quickly after I got saved. And Doug came to church. You know, he was just a little boy. He loved church. And, and one time, I thought for sure Debbie was going to get saved. And we went to this little church up the road. The pastor said, let's everybody go stand behind this brother and go to a revival at his church. And I said, man, he's a good speaker. I've heard about him all over the country. And we were all so excited about that. And so I, Debbie and I and Doug and all, we all go to this little church in, in, in Arkansas. I kid you not, this evangelist jumped from pew to pew. He stood on that front pew, and he jumped and made it to the second pew, and jumped and made it to the third pew. And I looked over at my pastor who was sitting in the second row, and he went. And I'm like, Pastor, she's Catholic. This is really freaking her out. I'm freaked out. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid the guy's going to jump back here on me, and if he does, I'm belting him, man. I don't know if he's on drugs. I don't know what's going on. Why is this guy jumping pews? You know, so the whole time, I mean, the guy's, 30 minutes later in the message, and I'm still, my brain's still going, why did he jump on pews? You know, he preached the whole sermon, and I'm like, why? Why? And anyway, Debbie didn't get saved. <laughs> he jumped on pews. And then in verse 3, so there's three categories of people here. It says, and when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, they have no wine. I want to talk about three groups of people here quickly, and I'll be quiet. There's three groups of people here. The married couple, I want to look at them first. They invited Christ to the marriage, as I already said. They're, they're not even identified. We're going to get to meet these people in heaven. They're just a married couple. They were at a miracle. Can you imagine that? Their wedding was the scene of a miracle. How many people can say that? Their wedding was the scene of a miracle. They invited God to their wedding, and it turned out to be a miracle. I've heard so many horror stories about wedding. Honestly, our wedding wasn't really a horror story. There's great memories. Debbie and I have laughed many years about Pat and Butch and Ted at our wedding and stuff. We smile about that. And, uh, and I did. I did. And we smile about that and laugh about it. And I left my clothes in the bathroom. Like I didn't want to smell. The we had a three, we had a three room and it even got worse. So for, for our first Christmas, I bought a king size waterbed for our bedroom. It didn't fit. So we had to make the living room our bedroom, and no one ever came to our house. It was like the greatest first year of marriage until we bought a house. People would come by and say, that's a bad It would go, we know, and they'd say, you want to go somewhere? And nobody hung up there, man. It was like our own place for an entire year. All you got to do when you first get married is put a waterbed in your living room. It freaks people out. I tried to put it in the bedroom. It wouldn't fit. We had this big, huge waterbed. And, and you remember those old waterbeds? thing was about this high off the floor, and I had a mattress about that thick, and, and it was crazy. People people were like, my mother said, Douglas, you got a waterbed in your living room. I said, I know, Mom. She's like, good for you. Good for you. And I said, thanks, Mom. She's the only one who came in our house. But anyway, this couple. Yeah, Mom was a great lady. She loved Debbie. Uh, But think about that married couple, and that's what your marriage should look like. You should invite Christ there with you. You should invite Christ to the marriage. We did that in 1993. We tried to raise our kids where they saw God in our marriage, but never fought, never broke up, never cheated on each other. Thank God, by the grace of God, I say that with a trepidation and fear. I'll just be an honest with you. Because uh, I know people, I know that God alone was in charge of that. And then the second group 
or the second person here was the mother of Christ. The last words of Mary in the Bible, the last we really hear about Mary. Mary's really overdone in some religions in the world. Mother Mary, Mother of God, remember that? And um, praying to Mary. But the Bible here gives us a different take on this. And both Jesus was called in verse 2 and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no mind. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what do I have to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whosoever, whatsoever he saith unto you, just do it. That's like the Nike thing. Nike stole that. And they were set before them six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews. They had been blessed, cared for, cleaned, containing two or three perkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, fill the water pots with water. I want to go back to that in a minute. And I want to focus on the mother of Jesus here. Because that's what the Bible tells us. It, it says, and the mother of Jesus saith unto him, and so she's not some deity. She's not some authority. She's not a preacher or a preachess. She's not any of those things, nor does she claim to be. You know what she says in the Bible here? She tells them, whatever he tells you to do, just do it. And that's what a marriage should look like. That's what a life should look like. That's what we tell people with PTSD. Whatever God tells you to do, just go ahead and do it. It's best. Just do it. And, and Mary, so somebody should... Uh, print this page and circle it and send it to the Pope. Whatever God tells you to do, just do it. You know, and uh, and it'll be all right. Just do that. And and then it's the mother of Christ. But then I want to focus at the end of this on these motivated servants or disciples. And not exactly sure who exactly these, what members of the crowd was there or whatever. Uh, but there were the six water pots of stone. So it was a really big deal to purify things back then. It was a really big, things had to be purified. And if you look at that word purified in the Greek, when we talk about marriage, when we talk about relationships, when we talk about church, they use that word all the time over and over again. Things need to be purified. Things need to be pure. Things need to be clean. Things need to be. But it always talks about in a, in a tense that it can still happen. So God says we sin, we mess up, goof up, but let's from this point forward be right and do the right thing and trust God. Folks, thanks for listening today. If we can do anything to help you, just let us know. Shoot me a line over there at Doug at WoundedSpirits.com, and I'll make sure that I try to get right back to you. If not, look us up at Helpful Wounded Spirits. We'll be coming to you live tomorrow from Bemidji, Minnesota. You don't want to miss that. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. It is very important to all of us at Help for Wounded Spirits that you know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear with a simple salvation message. You can know today. First, you're a sinner, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, there's a price on sin, for the wages of sin is death. Third, Jesus paid that price for you. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lastly, you must speak it with your mouth, and believe it with your heart, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made known unto salvation. Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart, and he will. Please contact us if we can help you in any way. God bless you. Doug and Stephanie, thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources, more information, or to donate to help this vital ministry, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.